Colossians 3, 1 through 17. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all things, such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these things, <clears throat> sorry, and over all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. It is indeed good to see all of you here this morning, and I would join in Pastor Todd in welcoming our guests, but it's also good to see some of you back again. Uh, Joseph, were you trying to fill the whole row back there? You, you, you came very close, brother. Praise God. Leslie, I saw you. It's good to have you here, dear. And it's, I, I haven't mentioned this, but Charles, it's good to have you back healthy again, and We've prayed for your regained strength. We miss you when you're not here, brother. And so it's, it's good to see everyone here this morning. That's not what I'm supposed to do. Todd's supposed to do that. But I miss getting to say those words. It's good to see you. Virginia's good to see you. And I'm glad that you're here. Guests, um, please fill out a contact card so that we know that you've been here. But you are special to us. You are our special guests. I'm looking at the age of the crowd, and Kate, there's a whole row of you back there who will not, I'll have to explain this to you, okay? You're not going to understand. How many of you are willing to admit that you remember the TV program, This Is Your Life? Huh? Come on, be honest. 
All right. Some of you are raising hands, and you're not near old enough to remember that program. The truth is, if you've seen that program, you've seen it in reruns or syndication or something. That's an old black and white program. And the kids are saying, didn't have color TV? The program, for, those, for you uninitiated, Jamie, there, this was a program that would call someone like Jamie Dunaway, or to, you know, it would be all planned and supposedly secret. Charles, did you ever wonder, did they really not know who was going to show up? Or did they meet each other backstage and did, did all the hugs? And it, uh, did they really not know? But you would call someone up and say, Shelley Palmer, this is your life. And they would call people back. They would do a little bio of you and talk about things. But when they'd get to a certain point, they would call someone, Jackie, from your past. And you were, oh, I'm so, I didn't know they were going to be here. And you would hug. And... <laughs> if I'm lying, I'm dying. That's what it was like. I mean... Did you ever think, Gail, watching that program, what would it be like if they did, Don, a this is your life for you? Have you ever thought about that? That's what heaven's going to be like. Praise God, there's going to be some reunions. I mean, there's going to be some tears. I think that we will have an opportunity to realize what we might have become and what we might have done. But when it's all said and done, we will worship the Lamb just because we're there. Because He did it all. Jesus is the one and He is enough. He is enough. I'll never be enough and neither will you except in Jesus Christ. That's what this whole series is about. Jesus is the one and only, and He is enough. We come now to chapter 3 in the, in the book, and He talks about Christ is your life. And He starts with the word since. And somewhere along the way when I was, John David, when I was doing the title of my sermon, I realized I'm leaving out the first word in the whole thing. And, and really, Nancy, what flows from that is since Jesus is this life, this is your life. This is what Jesus wants your life to be. Samantha, it is what you have an opportunity to be. Since, Kelly, since Christ is your life, what does that mean? Well, number one, set your heart on heaven. Since then, you have been raised with Christ or in Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, get this, not on earthly things things. I've, I've gotten some mad money recently. 
Praise God. And Alan, I got to admit, there's, there's two things I can never have enough of. Brenda will sell you it's jackets. And I don't mean dress jackets. I mean like my Arkansas jacket that David handed down to me. Like, you know, I've got a Walmart jacket. I've, got, I've been wishing for Christmas for a nice, dressy leather jacket. Charles has got one. I'm going to steal his. I can never have enough jackets. And like Todd, Jenny's not here to say amen, so somebody say amen for Jenny when I say, Todd can never get enough tools. I mean, he, he, you don't want to take him, or Jenny doesn't want to take him to Lowe's or Home Depot. Or, and I'm, I'm about the same way, man. I've been looking at this special kind of impact wrench. You know, it's no longer hammer-driven, John David. It's fluid-driven, so it doesn't make as much noise. And I've been lusting after that, but I'm just a little bit cheap, and so I still got my mad money in my pocket. All of us have a tendency to be possessed by our possessions. And, and I have met people who were hoarders. That means you are owned by the things that you own. You don't own them, they own you. And God says, don't do that. Don't set your hearts and your minds on earthly things. They're temporary. Set your heart and your mind, your focus on heaven and on heavenly things. Things that are permanent. You see, the focus of your life determines your lifestyle. In the Psalms it says, by all means, guard your heart because out of it flow the issues of life. Alice, the things that you put in your heart come out in your life. Where you focus your eyes and your goals, that's how you live, Michael. And, and so we are commanded to set our things higher, to set our sights on things nobler. The psalmist says, put no unworthy thing in my sight. Take my eyes off. Don't distract me with things that are unworthy of you and of me. Set your, heights, your sights on Jesus. It says, Kim, that Jesus is there with the Father. Since you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Look up! Look up! And recognize that's where Jesus is is. But I need, I need to say to you, you've been raised with Christ, in Christ, and there is a sense, according to the book of Hebrews, I'm sorry, according to the book of Ephesians, there's a sense, Charles, that you're in heaven already in Him. I love that thought. Since I am in Him, I am also in Him, seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. I could never get there. I, I just realized I got my chems back to back again, so they don't know which chem I'm calling on. It, it thrills me. I could never get there on my own. But in Him, I'm already there. And we need to live like we're already there. That we are in heaven with 
Him now. Where He is seated at the right hand of God. Jesus is there. Not only that, but here it is. Your life is hidden in Him. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Now, Todd, last Sunday evening, I got to tell you, Todd and I did not coordinate these messages. God did. I mean, he's preaching on Romans chapter 6, and he's talking about being dead to your sins in Christ. What, what, and he and I have talked about how God worked that out. I had no idea what he was going to be doing. Now, he knew I was going to be doing Colossians, but he didn't realize that it was going to be parallel passages. But Paul, what Todd is talking about is the theological side of this whole equation. And what Paul's talking with the Colossians about is the practical side. Live it out. This is the truth. Theologically, you have died in Christ. And practically, Deepak, we need to live as though we have died to our sin nature. That it's gone. Because we died to that when Christ died on the cross. Your life is hidden, buried, baptized, covered, soaked up in Him, in Christ. Look on things permanent, eternal, not temporary. And then one day when Christ, and here it is again, John David, when Christ, who is your life. I, I was talking with you about the sense. Since Christ is your life. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. Oh, man. It, I, I said last week, that old Alabama saying, if that does not light your fire, your wood is wet. You're going to appear with Him in glory. Raised with Him. Buried with Him. Raised with Him. And when He appears, you will appear, I will appear with Him in glory. Casey, that means regardless of our background, regardless of our sins, our failures, because we are in Christ, we are saved by our faith in Him, we get to share His glory. We don't have our own. We don't have our own glory. All we have is a reflection. All we are is a reflection of His glory. And that is to be our lifestyle. Then, since Christ is your life, number two, leave your old life Behind. This is actually the longest. I'll go ahead and warn you. This will be the longest section of the sermon because this is the biggest part. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Number three is the biggest part. This one I'll get through pretty quick. Leave your old life behind. He says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. You, when you became a Christian, when, when you were saved by faith in Christ... Unfortunately, you were left with the old nature. Even Paul says in Romans chapter 7, and I have to be careful here because I think that's going to be part of Todd's series. 
uh, and so I don't want to duplicate too much. Paul says in Romans chapter 7, the things that I would do, I don't do, and the things that I would not, those things I do. O wretched man I am, who shall deliver me from this death? Then he says, thanks be to God, Christ Jesus. That is the answer to that question. But that is true, Kelly, theologically, but we have to make it practical. That's why he says, listen, you, you put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Positionally, theologically, that's already been done. When Christ looks at you, He does not see your sin. He sees the blood of Jesus that covers your sins. And He sees the indwelling Holy Spirit that is in you that was put there that you received when you got saved. But practically, it is up to you to put it to death. Leave your old life behind. He describes it as sensuality. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality. Now, I know I'm a Baptist preacher, and I know it may be shocking for you to hear this in church, but the Bible says a great deal about sexuality. And sex within the bonds of marriage is a beautiful thing. And when it is not within the bonds of marriage, it is immorality and we are living in a world that focuses on sensuality and I have said to you that lust without a license is sin get a license make a permanent commitment young ladies I've said to you before I'll repeat it again do not give yourself away for free require a lifetime commitment. Young men, make a commitment. Make sure that that young lady is willing to make a commitment for a lifetime. Anything else is sexual immorality. And the wrath of God comes upon that. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust. Because of all of these the wrath of God is coming. Materialism. Uh-oh. I'm going to have to get back to jackets and tools and shoes. I love my mother-in-law, but we had a nickname for her. It was Imelda Marcos. How many of you understand that? Okay. You know, it was discovered that Imelda Marcos, the queen of the Philippines had thousands and thousands of pairs of shoes. I, I better not say too much. <clears throat> Jackets, tools, shoes, antique furniture, cars, materialism. Now listen, materialism is not when you own a lot of things. Materialism is when your things on you. Now, some of you do not know that Brenda and I were missionaries in Africa for a dozen years, and we worked among the slums of, of Nairobi, Kenya, East Africa, and in the villages. 
Somebody said, why did you work in the slums? Because that's where 90% or better of the Kenyans live is in the slums. And I wanted to work with the 90% rather than the 9.5-10%. But I can also tell you that some of the poorest people are also the most materialistic. They do not own much. But what they own is everything to them. And materialism is being owned by the things you possess. They possess you instead of you possessing them. Materialism. He talks about evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. And he repeats again, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. There's also wicked emotions and behavior. But now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self. That's what I mean by leaving your old life behind. I want to ask you, since you got saved, is your life different if it's not, did you ever consider? Now, I'm not saying that, did you ever sin, Tony, after you got saved? That's, that's a ridiculous question. Because the wisest man who ever lived, Solomon said, there is no one who does not sin. But if your life is characterized by anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language, if that is your lifestyle, something is wrong. And you need to meet with Jesus and be sure that you have indeed trusted, trusted Him in faith because there ought to be evidence of salvation in your life. Leave your old life behind. The warning that He gives is that the wrath of God is coming on those things. Okay, I said to you that number three is the longest let Jesus change your life. Let Jesus change. Since Christ is your life, let Him, let there be a Jesus revival in your life. Our danger, Sharon, is that we will walk around and look at all this stuff and never let Jesus do anything in our lives. And I almost made this point. Actually, I almost made it. Turn Jesus loose in your life. That's, that's the point. Allow Him to bring renewal. Allow Him to change your life. Put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of the Creator. Listen, Jesus wants to radically change your life. By the way, that's why this church wants to be. Our goal is to be a life-changing church. We want Jesus to be so present here that when you come into these services, through the worship, through the preaching, through the fellowship, through the praying, even through the giving, that your life is changed forever. Changed for God and changed for good. Let Jesus change your life. Listen, Jesus cares about you. I know Aaron's never in here, but he's listening to the service. He's always checking out the, 
the, the live stream to make sure that it's working properly. And so if you wonder why Aaron is never in here, he is, but he's in another part of the building watching the results of the live stream. But he obviously chose that song, You Are Chosen. Did you catch that? He calls you chosen. He cares about you. He calls you chosen. You say, well, how does that work? I thought I chose whether to be saved or not. You did. I like the illustration, and Charles, I don't know where this came from, but it, it, I think it says it very well. You, you come up to the door of salvation, and Lauren, on one side, it says, whosoever will may come. You choose to repent of your sins by the conviction of the Spirit of God and you ask Him to save you. But Sydney, when you walk through that door that says, whoever, you walk through and you close the door and on the back side it says, the chosen. The chosen. You see, the choosing is in Jesus Christ. When you come to Him in faith and you are in Christ, you become a part of the chosen. You are chosen. Now, it is the will of God that everyone be saved. But when you are, you are chosen. Suddenly you are holy and you are loved. What is the limit of the love of God? It is, as far as people are concerned, it is without limit. If you've never been here, this is your first time to be in this service. Maybe you've been here a few times and you've never heard me say this. I want to say to you, God loves you. Your attitude may be, yeah, He loves other people, but not me. No, Bailey, He loves everyone. Every one of you. By the way, can I say congratulations to you guys? He loves you. He calls you chosen. He calls you holy because you are in Christ. He loves you. Jesus cares about you. Therefore, is God's chosen people holy and dearly loved. Jesus cares about you, so He wants to change your life. He wants to remake you into His image. Put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. There's a secret to that. He wants you to look like him. But who do you think he, what do you think he looks like? Gerald, you know the truth is? What we think God is like is what we will hope to be. We will... If, Pam, if we'll let Him remake us, He will make us like Him. If we try to remake ourselves, then we will try to imitate what we think He's like. Page, that means if we see God as a God of lightning and thunder, casting thunderbolts, frying everybody who's doing something wrong, we will be a legalist. We will be judgmental. We'll have all the rules for people to follow. If that's the kind of God you have, you don't know the God. 
that I know. And what we think God is like is who we will become. God is a God of compassion. God is a God of kindness. Jesus showed perfect humility, gentleness, and patience. And by the way, that's how He wants you to be. Caleb, that's that's how He wants to work in you and make you all of those. Rodney, that's the image of God. That's how we need to see Him. And that's how He wants to transform our lives. I want you to understand it's a process. Notice that it is being renewed in knowledge. John, it's good to see you and Joyce healthy again. Stay that way, please. But I just looked at you and I can't read your mind, but I was just thinking, you know, the age-old question, John, is, is sanctification an act of God or an act of the individual? And those people in my class know the answer. What is it? Yes. <laughs> yes. It is an act of God, but it's also up to the individual. And it is a process that happens for your entire lifetime on this earth until you get to heaven and Don, the process is finished then. God takes over and finishes the process He's been working in you for for your entire life. But it says all those, over all those put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body you were called to, to peace, and be thankful. That's the process that He's working in you. That's what Cindy wants to happen in us. But then, it's not only a process, it's a choice. Since it is God's work, but it's also your choice. You, he says, die to your old life. Put off the old nature. Put on. Alice, that means it's choice. We have a choice of participating when, with God in this life change. He wants to do it, but it's up to me. It's up to you. Put on the new self. Put on love. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Be thankful. Do you see that that's a choice that you have to make? It is a choice of surrender to the work of God so He can do in you what He wants to be, what He wants to do, and He is everything to anyone. Now that's a Leonism. What he says, Paul, is Christ is all in all. But is he, is he right now all in all? The truth is, He is everything to anyone. You can choose for Him to be your everything. Now there is a day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. But if you think that that means that you're going to be saved because it says whoever, 
and all. Jesus died for all men. But it's not everyone who will make the, ch the choice to trust in Him. But He can be everything to anyone. And that means you. And that means me. Jesus can change anyone. And He wants everyone to be saved. And that means you. It's, i got another point to go, but can I say... If you've never trusted Christ, if you've never been saved, there is nothing you have to do to be saved. He's done it all, except recognize that you can't do it, that you're not good enough, and trust in Him, believing that He is the Son of God, that He can save you, and that He will. And then He wants you to live by His power. Since Christ is your life, live by His power, not your own. We're all broken. We're all failures. Why? It's getting harder and harder to get an amen in here. That's not exactly comfortable, is it? <laughs> We're all failures. And our only hope is Jesus. And if you know Christ, you don't have to do it on your own. Let Him work in you and through you by the power of His Word. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. The power of the Word of God is beyond limit. By the way, one of the translations, Charles, that I looked at, said, by his message. I don't like that at all. I went and checked it out. It's logos. It's, it's not message. It's the Word. By the way, I take that to mean the Word of God, the Bible. But there's a play, Samantha, there's a play on words because he is the Word. He is the logos. And the power of the logos. Jesus himself. And His Bible, His Word, can rule our lives and it gives us power. You think nothing's happening when you sit down and read His Word? Listen to me, the Bible is the only book that when you read it, the author is present with you. He's there and His Word will change your life. You'll find yourself, because of the power of the Word, living differently, acting differently, speaking differently by the power of His Word, by the power of spiritual worship. I, I said this morning, if, if that didn't thrill you, you, you know, if that didn't light a fire in you, your, your kindling's wet. Your wood is wet. I listened to that song, I Am Chosen. I'm a child of the King. Whoa. Worship. I love the way that Aaron does not perform. He leads us in worship. Some of the songs that he leads us in, they may have a contemporary style of music, but some of the songs he leads us in, Don, were written 
several hundred years ago, 300 years ago to be exact, the words still have impact. And they lead us to look at the king and realize he is my life. And since he is my life, I want to live by the power of his spiritual worship and by the power of his name. There's something, Joyce, you said I've never called your name. I just did. She's been complaining about that. Now she's embarrassed. Joyce, there's something about the name of Jesus. When we say that in the name of Jesus, that's not an incantation. It's not magic words. It's that we know Him and He knows us. And we realize that it is His power by which we live and everything to do is to His glory. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. It is all for His glory. Everything. Do it in the name of the Lord, realizing that you are in Him, and He is in you, and everything you do should be by His power and for His glory. Unleash, turn loose the power of Jesus Christ in your life. Turn loose the power of Christ in our church. Turn loose the power of Christ in your community. And that means through you. Quit thinking it has to be somebody else. Man, I wish our preacher would come and speak to my neighbors. Why would I do that when God has you? And you have a relationship with them. You know them. Let the power of Christ Brandon, convert to the people you work with at the, on the job. The people, Dennis, in your neighborhood. The people, Sydney, Kara, in your school. Let the power of Jesus turn him loose in your life, your church, your family, and your community. Amen. To his honor and his glory. Let's stand together. I'd ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes just for a minute. I want to pray for you. Father, I thank you for every person here. I've called some names of people like Leslie that we miss, and she's back again. Visiting, but she's here. Our guests, we thank you that they're here. And Lord, I don't know what's going on in everybody's life, but I know that there are some of us who need to just turn Jesus loose in our lives. Some are holding back from commitments for baptism. Some are holding back from commitments of membership in the church. Some are holding back because they're holding on to possessions, wrong relationships. 
And Lord, I pray that we would in this service, in this moment, in this place, turn Jesus loose in our lives by His Word, by His power, and to His glory. Lord, I pray for change, transformation, radical change in our lives, in our church, in our community, Lord, in our nation. Lord, work through us. Break our hearts and bend our knees that we will submit to your will. On this day and every day.